0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. I'm Mark Koskila. Today marks our final episode of 2021. It has been a phenomenal year for the podcast. We celebrated our 150th episode and have spoken to a fantastic selection of guests from all corners of the pharmaceutical industry. To celebrate the occasion, we're bringing you a very special roundtable edition of the podcast, featuring some of our favorite guests from 2021. During the episode, you'll be hearing from Nancy Globus, Vice President of Regulatory and Medication Safety at Sineos Health, Dr. Jerome Kim, who is the Director General of the International Vaccine Institute based in South Korea, and last but by no means least, Emma Roth, the Oncology Country Head for the UK and Ireland at Takeda Oncology. The trio have been delving into a range of exciting topics, celebrating and critiquing the past year in pharma, while also looking ahead to what we can expect in 2022. So without further ado, let's hear what they had to say. For our opening question, we asked our guests what they think the biggest achievements within the pharmaceutical industry have been this year. First up to offer our thoughts is Nancy Globus.
1: I think, in my opinion, the biggest achievement has just been the ability to maintain focus on other products other than those for the prevention and treatment of COVID, you know, certainly the industry as well as the regulators have been able to pivot and focus attention not only on products for the crisis at hand, but also not losing sight of those other products for high unmet medical need and those that may have had breakthrough status. Those are still being developed, undergoing clinical trials, being submitted to regulatory authorities and being approved. And I think that's a real testament both to the industry as well as the regulators to be able to rise to the occasion of a global crisis.
0: Dr. Jerome Kim also shared with us his key industry achievements, this time from a COVID-19 and vaccine perspective.
2: It was impressive that additional COVID-19 vaccines have been developed and tested over the course of the year. The vaccine from Clover, which is a protein, Uh, works not only against Delta, but against other coronaviruses as well, and actually showed a significant improvement with vaccine efficacy of 79% against the Delta variant in people who had been previously infected. Again, reaffirming that vaccination is critically important, even in the setting of previous infection. The second uh, big achievement, I think, might be the development of antivirals that appear to decrease the progression between mild to moderate disease and severe disease and COVID-19 infection. Now this is important because in the presence of appropriate testing, then people might be treated with these medications orally and potentially uh, monitored at home. Again, really critical if we want to achieve better control over COVID-19.
0: While it's important to celebrate our successes, we also wanted to ask our guests about the challenges the industry has faced this year. The past 12 months have been testing, but as you'll hear shortly, there are some promising solutions on the horizon. We'll return to Dr. Jerome Kim first.
2: The biggest concern in the beginning of the year was whether we'd be able to translate the safe and efficacious COVID-19 vaccines that we saw in the phase three trials at the end of 2020 into significantly produced vaccines in 2021. At this point, we are producing one and a half to two billion doses of different COVID vaccines every month. This would mean that we should have the capacity to give those vaccines to just about everyone on planet Earth who needs a vaccine by the middle of 2022. The bigger challenge now will be developing the next generation of vaccines. Vaccines effective at preventing transmission of coronavirus. So we know that the vaccines do a great job in preventing hospitalization, a tenfold reduction comparing vaccine to placebo. Less so for infection, with only a fivefold decrease in infection comparing vaccine to placebo. We really need to do better at the prevention of infection, or importantly, the prevention of transmission. And hopefully the next generation of vaccines will give us not only better protection, but longer lasting protection.
0: And here's what Nancy Globus had to say.
1: I think from a challenge standpoint, it was really the same challenge that was experienced by just about every business. And it's how do we adjust to the new normal while still keeping commercial goals in mind as well as the needs of of patients. And I, I think it's it's still evolving because what we experienced through 2020 and 2021 certainly isn't over, but just continuing to learn how to pivot and adjust. Obviously, we've seen quite a bit of change into decentralization of clinical trials. From the branding standpoint, we've seen many more um products and services that need to be named and are introduced into the marketplace, whether they're new products or things that will assist doing things remotely, such as telehealth and remote patient monitoring. I think just continuing through a lot of the pathways that have been established already and really leaning into the decentralization of some of the processes certainly will go a long way. And I think that will continue. Certainly remote everything is not going anywhere anytime soon.
0: Great to get an overview of the industry's ups and downs of 2021. Now moving on, Over the course of 2021, there has arguably been a perceived reputational improvement for the pharmaceutical industry. In terms of reputation and consumer trust, we asked our guests where they think pharma is gaining back credibility and where there's still room for improvement. This time, we will hear from Emma Roth.
3: There was a significant increase in the trust and the reputation of the pharmaceutical industry particularly in 2020. And then that was built upon further in 2021. And I think the industry was seen as a huge part of the solution um, of the UK getting out of the COVID situation. And and also the public started to place really high value on science and what science can do and bring in these sorts of situations. I think where we also gained credibility was actually the alliances that were crafted and formed within the um, pharmaceutical industry. It was pooling of resources and expertise, rather than just individual companies working on their own projects. And again, this accelerated um, the development and accelerated these ideas. But obviously, there's always things that we can do better, do more. And I think what we can do to improve things is to do more to address health inequities, inequality and diversity in trials, in research, improving public health for all. And also not just within the UK, but but worldwide and making sure that there is um, equity of, of access.
0: And finally, Nancy Globus shares her thoughts.
3: I think certainly
1: there was much more awareness of what the pharmaceutical industry does and how people can participate in that. And as an example, with the vaccine trials going on, there was definitely an awareness of the companies that were running those trials. And I I think it just brought the level of understanding and just appreciation for what the pharmaceutical industry is and what they do that perhaps will spill over into other diseases. And for instance, people will then know, oh, my family member was just diagnosed with XYZ. Let me see if there's a clinical trial. And certainly having the story that is around whether it's a trial a product or just the the company itself that builds trust and that as long as there's something memorable and purposeful that the not only practitioners but patients as well can associate with a particular company I think that goes a long way in in building trust and, and has just opened up a huge audience. Um, I think it's really a, a silver lining of the pandemic for the industry because there is just such heightened awareness of what they do and how they benefit
0: the population at large. Great answers from our guests there. Now, while 2020 was a year marked by the COVID-19 vaccine race, 2021 put pricing and access in the spotlight. We asked our guests what they thought the most significant achievements and setbacks surrounding global vaccine access has been. First, we'll head over to our vaccine expert, Dr. Jerome Kim, for his views on vaccine access in 2021.
2: So if we think that the three steps in vaccine manufacturing are prove it, prove that it works, make it in significant quantities, and then use it, 2021 was really, if it had a success, it was our ability to roll out vaccination in the countries that could afford it, um, so that many countries are now in the 80% range for full vaccination. Wonderful. But still, at the end of 2021, with 2 billion doses of vaccine being made per month, 96% of Africa has not received a single dose. That should not be allowed to happen. Hopefully now that vaccine production has scaled up, access to vaccines in Africa should become less of an issue, but that leaves two other important unaddressed issues. The first is a, what I call the diagnostics gap. Are we doing enough testing in Africa to ensure that we understand the significance of the problem there? And the second is a sequencing gap. Have we done enough sequencing to know what variants are circulating and might potentially become a risk, such as Omicron? The second one is a a big challenge, is a a challenge in absorptive capacity. Do countries around the world have the ability to vaccinate 70 to 80 percent of their populations in order to protect the most vulnerable from the consequences of COVID-19? So I think working on those two issues, the diagnostics gap and the absorptive capacity gap, are going to be really important and will have long-term benefits for global health in general.
0: And now we hear from Nancy Globus.
1: Well, I think from certainly achievements have been, like I may have mentioned earlier, just the ability to maintain focus on other products in addition to those for the prevention and treatment of COVID and really um, not lose sight of some of those other unmet medical needs. And I think there is a lot more
0: attention being
1: paid to patient access, and the whole patient journey and that story that goes along with it. Certainly, drawing on some of my pharmacy experience from a um, US standpoint, there's definitely quite a bit going on from the access and reimbursement standpoint, just with some of the channels of distribution and who is involved in that channel of distribution all the way from the manufacturer through the wholesaler through reimbursement and what type of pharmacy a particular product is distributed through and and I think I think the public also is realizing that they can really take some some initiative and Really be in charge of their own healthcare journey and advocate for themselves or look for help from patient groups. And some of those are even run by the industry, especially with respect to um, advocacy groups related to rare diseases. So I think there's there's a lot going on in that that area and the the patient journey and that story that goes along with it is is really evolving.
0: And finally, we wanted to get our guests' take on the digital and technological acceleration that began in 2020, but really intensified during 2021. We were particularly interested in the fallout of rapid transformation and asked about how upskilling must be approached and how companies can avoid alienation or a negative impact on morale. Let's hear what Emma had to say on the topic.
3: We all know that the acceleration from a digital and technology perspective, has been huge over the last um, one to two years. And obviously that has meant change. It's meant change in how we work. You know, something that was probably very alien two years ago, such as Zoom, video calls, Teams, etc., cetera, is now absolutely second nature. But it hasn't just happened by itself. There's had to be support for our team members in or, in order to make that transition and that then moves into other areas where obviously most of the interactions now um for, for the pharmaceutical industry are having to be remote um, and so that's a change both for for the nhs and a change for um companies but it's also not all just about the um technology advances it's also been really important that Whilst we're all very separate and probably further away physically, that we actually keep that cohesiveness and that team spirit aligned. So, within Takeda, we've 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 looked to um, support our people, both from a social but also from a mental health perspective. So we've offered um, additional support, counselling, for example. And we also have our Takeda Employee Society um, group who who organise all sorts of initiatives um, and events to make sure that we're keeping our people together, keeping them connected.
0: And that's it for our end of year roundup. We hope you enjoyed hearing again from some of our top guests of this year. Speaking of which, thank you very much to Nancy Globus, Dr Jerome Kim and Emma Roth for joining us for this episode. We'll be back in the new year with more brilliant guests and interviews, kick-starting proceedings with another very special edition of the podcast, this time taking a look at the industry predictions for 2022 and talking to more great guests about what's to come in the year ahead. If that all seems a little bit too far away, don't fret. We have plenty of content over on the Gold website for you to enjoy. The latest issue of our sister publication, Gold Magazine, was published earlier this month so be sure to head over to www.emg-gold.com to check that out now. But that's it for 2021. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now.